What's going on, baseball fans? Welcome back once again to another 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I'm your host, Luke Zalman, and be sure to catch up on all of our Rockies-ridden content on our website. We have recaps for the last three games, kind of some features that go over where the Rockies have struggled most, where they've kind of been plagued, because they're now at eight straight losses. Um, there's not a lot that can be said about a team that just can't hit. Um, is struggling to pitch a little bit now, too. Um, but we tried to analyze it. Um, go take a look at that content from both me and Anilo Piro. Um, hopefully you guys learned something new, maybe something you didn't know about this losing streak. There's a lot of, there's a lot of small things that have gone into it. Um, so we tried to kind of cover those small things. Obviously the overlying theme, they still can't hit. And there's some really troubling trends that are going on with the Rockets right now. Um, they've lost 12 of 13, eight straight, and they're just hitting above the Mendoza line on the year. And that's near the bottom of the NL 15 teams in the NL. They were 13th. Before the game today, um, hitting 204, I believe. Um, that's just not going to cut it. Strikeouts have been a huge problem against the Giants. They've been a big problem throughout the year. They've averaged double-digit strikeouts per game. But against the Giants, they have 42 in only three games. And granted, that total's boosted a little bit by a 24 strikeout performance in the 18-inning loss last night into this morning. Um, but it's still not great. 42 in three games. Um that means you're easily averaging over a strikeout an inning. Um, just it hasn't been great for them. Um, they did break their streak of over 57 innings without a lead um, in yesterday's game, the 18-inning game. But they did it by way of a balk. Trevor Story popped out to Brandon Belt and over the shoulder catch. Actually, a really nice catch. And it gets called back by the first base umpire who called a balk on Pomeranz after the dust had already kind of settled. Everyone thought, okay, inning over, we're done. And that Bach allowed Hampson to score, which kind of looked like, okay, the Rockies may be getting something. Desmond gets an RBI soon after. They have a 2-0 lead. It gets to 2-1, and then they just they fall apart all over again. Um, I, can't, I can't quite put my finger on what it is for them. Um, it's a mixture of bad luck. I mean, they're, they're hitting balls in two places where fielders are, and I know that sounds stupid, but they're putting good swings on several balls, but they're just going right to fielders, and that's something that's very hard to control. Um, their batting average on balls in play isn't great, but they're also striking out a ton, so their offense is a mixture of bad offense and also bad luck, um, which has created what you've seen. I mean, their run differential their negative run differential is almost worse than their entire season's worth of runs. I mean, they have this latest slide has just been awful for them. And it's you can you can get by if you're losing to the good teams. Atlanta and Los Angeles are both going to be extremely good teams this year. Dodgers are going to win the NL West again. I would bet quite a bit of money on that. And Atlanta should be in the wild card race once again. But when you have teams like the Miami Marlins splitting a series with you, and then after today's loss, the Giants beating you in a series, that's not winning baseball. They cannot be losing four-game sets to the Giants. Those are opportunities for them to capture, you know, three or four games against a much lesser team and be able to walk away with a much better record, and it'll help their conference record as well, but their division record, excuse me, but it just hasn't happened. And they're... they're 
pitching has also kind of struggled lately. Kyle Freeman has another bad outing today. Um, he's allowed 10 earned runs and 16 hits in his last two starts. One of them comes against the Braves. That's admissible. The Braves have an amazing offense, and Freddie Freeman is a real thorn in his side. Also, Nick Markakis is a thorn in Kyle Freeland's side. But doing it against the Giants really is hard to justify. It's hard to justify him giving up the type of run production that he gave up against the Giants. And it was only three runs, so that's not life-altering. His offense should come through for him, but the pitches that he threw to allow those runs are what killed him. He throws a middle-middle curveball to Kevin Pillar. That's what resulted in that home run to center field. It was dead middle. He couldn't have handed it into the middle of the zone any any better. And then he throws a breaking ball that cuts right down the middle to Buster Posey to get his RBI double down the right field line. Um Given the fact that Buster Posey is mostly a singles machine now, and Kevin Pillar is not known for his power, that shows you how crazy those breaking balls right down the middle can turn out. I mean, those those pitches can kill an outing just by themselves. He did allow nine hits today, not great, but overall, it was only a couple pitches that truly killed him in that outing. Um, he still probably deserved a win, though. He allowed three earned runs. Um, and their bullpen has been ridiculous this year. So you would expect that to stay. Um, they allowed two runs, um, both charged to Sung Won Oh. Um, he loaded the bases, gets pulled for gets pulled for Mike Dunn. Um, just just not great. But they were amazing in game two of the series. Um, they sit down 19 straight after um, John Gray comes off the uh, excuse me, Chad Bettis comes off the mound. Um, and they were just lights out. You have Brian Shaw dealing. You have Mike Dunn dealing. You have Scott Oberg dealing. You have Estevez dealing. I mean, their bullpen looks very good this year, but it's not mattering right now because they can't score runs and their starters have struggled. Um, but Brian Shaw, as I already said, he has a .87 ERA this year now, and that's after an atrocious year last year. He's really bounced back for them. And he's been a very great sign of light, considering they lost Adam Adovino to the Yankees in the offseason. For Brian Shaw to step up the way he has has been monumental for their success. He's had a great season so far. Harrison Musgrave also has had a good season, 2.84 ERA himself. Um, he's been good. DJ Johnson has had a couple rough outings, but overall he's been very good. And Mike Dunn has had some good outings. Um, Scott Oberg has been the light for them though. With Chris Russon out with that back pain, Oberg has really stepped into that Chris Russon role. Um, his ERA is only at one three five, and he's just been great. He's been in four games. He's thrown six and two thirds. He's only allowed three hits. So he's been the Chris Russon of two years ago for this Rockies club. And for them to still have Russon on his way back and McGee on his way back from that knee strain, that could be very good for their bullpen that's already been great. The problem is the offense. In that 18-inning loss, if there was such thing as a microcosm of the season in just one game, something that summed it all up, that 18-inning game was that. You know, they score two runs, but then in the eighth inning, they have bases loaded with they have bases loaded with one out, and they leave them loaded. And then in the 10th inning, and the 11th, they also have two on with less than two outs. 
those are pivotal moments where they have to come through and it all added up to a two for 12 with runners in scoring position and it's 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 all the things that they've struggled with all happening in one game and all leading to them having to play till 2 30 in the morning local time just to lose on a Chris Ionetta play that has happened twice this season now. He hasn't been on home plate for a force out at the plate. And it just begs the question, is it is it just happenstance that he's not on the plate? Or is he legitimately struggling at a very fundamental thing? And an underrated factor of that is that stepping on the plate as a catcher is very difficult because the plate can be very slippery. It is not made to it is not made like one of those old high school home plates that have all the divots in them from old cleats these are brand new home plates obviously they don't replace them every time but these do not have those divots to cling on to these don't have anything that you can that your cleat can catch on to so they're very slippery so i understand why the cleat is not entrenched on the middle of home plate you also don't want to get stepped on but for his foot to not be on home plate in two different games, did it once against the Rays, I believe, earlier in the season, that's just inexcusable, especially for a veteran that's been in the league so long. Chris Iannetta has had so many stints with the Rockies alone. I mean, he's 36 years old, and he's still a good catcher. He had a very hard hit double today off of Bumgarner that kind of was, was meant to get their offense going. They strike out the next three plate appearances. So they weren't able to get anything going, but he is putting together production. It's just not mattering because of small plays like that. And then in the in the eighth in the bottom of the eighth inning with the Giants up, he has two pass balls that allow them to advance runners. I mean that can't happen. And Tony Walters is slowly bypassing him. I feel as far as defense. I mean Walters has thrown out six of ten runners trying to steal on him this year. That's an astronomical number, and his pop time has been towards the top of the league all year. He, and if neither of them are going to produce out-of-this-world offensive numbers, then it would beg the question if Tony Walters should just start two-thirds of the game the rest of the year. They like to alternate him a lot. Chris Iannetta will, will catch for Freeland almost every time, Walters with Marquez. But other than that, you wonder if those remaining three games in the rotation should not be both you know, two Tony Walters, one Chris Iannetta, because he's just been so productive, pitch framing and defensively, that it's hard to put numbers on that. And he, granted, he's hitting 222 on the year, only getting on base a fourth of the time. But his defense may make up for that when you have Chris Iannetta hitting 154. He's actually worse at the plate. He's had some hard hit balls, so give him credit for that. But he's been worse statistically than Tony Walters. And since they're both going to be hitting at the bottom of the lineup with little opportunities to make a true impact, I think Bud Black, I think you'd be more comfortable with Tony Walters behind the plate because you get the defensive prowess behind the plate. And Tony Walters' pitch framing cannot be understated. I mean, he is one of the best in the entire league, much less the Rockies. I mean, the Rockies, it's not even close, but he's one of the best in the entire league. He's better than many of the veterans. I mean, he's pitch framing better than... You saw it in this series, better than Buster Posey is even now. So his impact on the game day-to-day -day is much greater than Chris Iannetta's. And for Iannetta to miss that play on the force out and strike out four times after pinch hitting in the ninth inning 
and only playing that latter half of the game, and he goes 0 for 4 with a golden sombrero, that's absolutely awful. He sh I mean, he struck out 13 times in 26 at-bats. Half of his at-bats he struck out this year. And you just can't have that at the bottom of the lineup when maybe the bottom of the middle, the latter middle, is getting on base. If you have guys... I mean, like a Trevor Story that's getting on base, Chris Iannetta hits seven or eight. If he's still on base, you need someone a lot more solid hitting behind him. And that's where the Ryan McMahon, the David Dahl, and the Daniel Murphy injuries can hurt them so much is because their lineup lacks any type of depth now. Before it was a leadoff in Charlie Blackman, then Murphy, then Arenado, then Story, then Dahl, then a guy like McMahon, and then you can hide a guy like Desmond. You can you know, hide a Chris Iannetta or a Tony Walters towards the bottom of the lineup, and it's not as impactful. But now that they're being at the bottom of the lineup still, but they have no one in front of them, and when they do have people in front of them, they're not producing, that's, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. And their lack of offseason signings has really shown with those injuries. Injuries are unavoidable. They're going to happen to everyone. I mean, look at the Yankees. They have, you know, most of their projected starting day lineup if they were all healthy they're out i mean gary sanchez is out giancarlo stanton's out dd gregorius is out they have so many injuries and yet they're still producing on offense i mean they produced double digit runs last night alone they're still producing despite the injuries and the rockies have it and even before the injuries they weren't producing and it makes you wonder, a guy like Adam Jones, a very veteran outfielder that played for the Orioles for a long time, he signs with the Diamondbacks for one year, $3 million. That's almost nothing. He's hitting three twenty-seven with them with four homers. And he would have provided a great locker room presence with the loss of Carlos Gonzalez. And that loss is showing more and more each game. They just don't have a leader anymore. There's no one in that clubhouse that is going to take the reins both post-game and pre-game, and tell the team, okay, here's what we need to do to win, and let's just go out and do it, and then support it throughout the game with both defense and hitting. They don't have that this year. They replace him, for the most part, with Charlie Blackman and Ian Desmond, and Charlie is a very is a, is a good leader, but he's not Carlos Gonzalez, and Desmond has failed to lead the team whatsoever. So when they're surrounding guys like Trevor Story, who's young, David Dahl, who's young, Ryan McMahon, who's young, Tony Walters, who's young, and then a very young pitching staff, there's just a lack of leadership. And I think that's the biggest thing that has plagued them, you know, in this, in the early going. And it's shown most in their first two innings. I mean, they have yet to score a run in the first two innings. Leadership can really help in the latter innings, but being able to get hot starts also has to do with le leadership and knowing what the pitcher's giving you early. I mean, in the first... In the first two innings, they're the only team to not have a run in the first two innings. And Nolan Arenado is 2 for 12. Trevor Story's 2 for 15 with 4 Ks. Charlie Blackman's 2 for 13 with 4 Ks as well. That's not going to do it in the first two innings. And it's part of why they haven't scored. If the heart of their lineup is not producing early, they're not going to be able to score. And losing to the Giants the way they have been is just a crime. I get it. Madison Bumgarner, he goes 7 innings, only allows 2 runs, and he gets seven Ks. He looked vintage Bumgarner-esque, but he wasn't pitching as good as his stats would say, and they needed to take advantage of a lower-velocity type guy. I get it. When you face 
like a Ryan Stanek with the Rays who's pumping, you know, 99 mile per hour fastballs. A guy like Sandy Alcantara that's pumping 99 mile per hour fastballs in the first inning. It makes sense why you wouldn't be able to hit. But to have a guy like Bumgarner who's throwing 90, a guy like Pomeranz who's throwing 90 shuts you down in the early innings, it's just, it's so bad for their offense. And it plagues them for the rest of the game. I mean, they aren't able to get anything going because they are doing so terribly in those first two innings. And last night, you saw it quite a bit. They are, you know, they're crushing balls. I believe I believe both Charlie Blackman, I want to say, and Ian Desmond crushed balls last night that fell short at the warning track. Because they're on the bay and because of that, you know, moisture that's blowing in. But that's not an excuse because they had so many chances earlier and in the early innings as well to get something going. Um, and it's very clear, as we discuss, as I discussed, I suppose, um, Nolan Arenado's 2-for-12 in the first two innings this year. And it is clear that he is beyond frustrated. He goes down on a strikeout looking today on a pitch. Granted, the pitch is very inside. There's no way that's a strike any other game. And he let the ump hear it, but it shows you just how frustrated he is. Because the second the call was made, he was screaming at the umpire. He slams his helmet, slams his bat. And there's been multiple post-game sessions with the media that he has not even showed up to. He is so frustrated. And I think him not showing up to speak to the media really speaks to what Carlos Gonzalez brought. Every bad game that they had, go in, you'd go in the clubhouse after the game and Cargo would talk to everyone. He was open to every every part of the media to discuss what happened. And Nolan hasn't done that. And it shows that maybe he's not ready to leave the team and that's fine. But when he's getting paid the most on the team and he'll be getting paid double what everyone else is um, as of next year, I believe, you just need a little more leadership he he's always been more of a silent leader that tries to lead through his play. I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the game, one of the most consistent hitters. And you can have that, but when they don't have a when they don't have another leader in that dugout, in that clubhouse, it really behooves him to be able to be a more vocal leader. And on the on the field, I get it. He's hitting 263 on the year. He had a decent day today. Um but it's just it's it's so hard to be able to overcome some of the mistakes that he's had at the plate. I mean, he's popped up multiple times with guys on base. He's struck out with guys on base. And that's not him. It makes you wonder if maybe the money is affecting him a little. I talked about it before the year that maybe he'd have a slow start. And you it makes you wonder if maybe it's that or if he's just pressing a little bit because they're struggling. What Whatever reason it is... He just hasn't been able to lead them yet this year, and it's really destroyed them. Um, looking forward, obviously they've already dropped the series to the Giants. That makes it five straight series to start the year that they haven't won. Um, the closest they've gotten, they split that series with the Marlins. Um, to to be able to get a win in their final game of this four-game set, they're going to have to rely on Herman Marquez, which is a very good thing for them. But his last time out, he wasn't great against the Braves. He goes five innings, allows five earned, and he only got two Ks, which shows you the lack of stuff he had that day because Marquez only having two game, two Ks in a five-inning start is unheard of. 
Um, he was crushed by Ronald Acuna Jr., as well as everyone else that faced Ronald Acuna Jr. in that series. I mean, he homers in every game during the series. Um, but his ERA is at three now. Um, he's only received two runs of support in his last two starts. That needs to be better because you know what you're going to get in Marquez nine out of ten days. That five earned run start is not is not the common trend. The one earned run, two earned run with nine to ten Ks is more common for him. And the offense needs to get it going. I get it. San Francisco, Oracle Park, it's one of the worst parks in the league. But they're now seven games back in the NL West, and they need something good to happen because they're about to go to San Diego, who's leading the NL West. It's early. Standings aren't the most important thing this early because they're bound to change. But falling back double-digit games within the season's first month is not ideal for for any team, but much less a team that's not going to get Murphy back for a while. They are going to get McMahon and Dahl back pretty soon here. Um, Dahl hit today in Arizona, and McMahon was taking batting practice yesterday. Um, so they're going to get them back soon, but without Daniel Murphy, they're going to need to find ways to score runs. Um, they're going to be against Derek Holland tomorrow, who, despite being under the radar the last couple of years after his great stint in Texas, um, he's actually been really good. His last start against the Padres, he goes seven, allows one earn, and gets nine Ks. For Derek Holland to get nine Ks is pretty crazy. Um, he's just never been a super high strikeout guy. Um, but he's at 3-3-80 ERA on the year. He's been great, and he came over to San Francisco before last season. He's been a very quality innings eater for them. Um, he's got a 3-1-9 ERA at Oracle Park. Um, so he's been great for them, and to see the start that Pomeranz ha had, and to see the start that Bumgarner had, um, it would the Rockies need to jump on Derek Holland early to start destroying some of that confidence. Their problem is since they're not scoring early against these starters, the starters are just starting to get deeper and deeper into games, and it's just snowballing. All the results are just snowballing. Um, they're now. They're now 3-12 and 12 on the year, um, a negative 36 run differential. I mean, the Rockies need this one. Um, we'll have another podcast coming out probably prior to the San Diego series, if not after that first game, before the Rockies come home, um, have a four-game set with the Phillies. That's going to be a huge step for them, and their offense is really going to need to get it going then because you're facing – you know, a lineup that has Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon, Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Reese Hoskins. Like, that lineup is going to be insane. So if they can get their offense to start rolling right now, um, and they're, I mean, they're even going to need it against San Diego. San Diego with Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Will Myers. Um, they're not an easy draw either. So for their offense to start the roll tomorrow, it could have a snowball effect in the next couple series. Um, but I mean, it's to be determined. Derek Holland was great. Um, scoring early and often will be, you know, will be their key. If they can, if they can break that streak of first and second scoreless innings, it will really help them tomorrow. So we'll have a new podcast coming out, you know, before that San Diego series, we'll have Justin Michael with takeaways tomorrow. Um, Anilo Piro has a feature on the bullpen and their dominance lately coming out tomorrow morning. Um, so be sure to look out for that and just keep checking on milehighsports.com. We have constant, con we have constant content. We have 
breaking news, we have game articles, we have features, we have analysis, we have everything that you could need for your Rockies coverage. Um, and it's all on a non-paywall site. So be sure to check into that, and I'll talk to you next time.